Hi there. Want to get a text message whenever we publish a new episode of the Mindset Digital Podcast? It's a super easy one-click shortcut to the show. To sign up, just text MSDPOD, that's M-S-D-P-O-D, all one word, to 555-888 and we'll get you started. Good times. From the intersection of social media, learning, and technology, it's the Mindset Digital Podcast. Today, guest Jessica James brings creative director Pete Brown up to speed on the blending of tech and reality at the Magic Kingdom, and Pete wanders off on a marginally related tangent dating back to 2007. Once he wanders back into the studio, we'll get going. Okay, here's Pete. Thank you, Brianval. I am digging the new music in the intro. Very cool. Folks, today I want to take you back about 10 or 11 years to that 2006, 2007, 2008 era. If you happen to go to the Consumer Electronics Show in those years, uh, which is held in Las Vegas in January and is absolutely huge, in those years you would have noticed that in the parking lot right outside the Las Vegas Convention Center, they had built one or two and ultimately three houses and an RV, and these were called the next-gen homes, and they were packed with digital goodies, right? They're like... They had the latest and greatest gadgets set in a home environment. And as you went through each next-gen home, there was an actor in each room who was sort of a member of the family. And they would talk with you about their lives and how all these digital products improved them and dovetailed perfectly into the rhythm and breadth of their daily existence. And they would crack jokes, and it was a fun experience. It's what you would call sort of a commercial immersive theater experience. And at the time, I worked for the major vendor that was in these homes that did all the automation software. Software. And so it actually fell to me to write those scripts for all the actors. And the company that provided the actors and the director, he and I would work on those scripts. The actors came from Los Angeles where many of them worked at Disneyland in various capacities. So, And I have to say, I, when I look back across my career, those two weeks every January, uh, just working with the actors and actresses and getting things up to speed and fine-tuning the script and making sure everything worked, it was really, it was just a ton of fun, right? And the talent was a lot of fun to work with. Well, because of that experience, I was also invited to participate in creating the immersive theater scripts for the Innovations Dream Home, which opened at Disneyland, which is in Anaheim, California, uh, in 2008. And the first floor of this home was a, a much larger but similarly themed house of the future. Some of the sponsors included Hewlett Packard and Microsoft. And we created a family that lived there and wrote sort of very loosely, loosely coupled scripts that they could use as they walked around the home and interacted with the guests. And then this attraction closed in 2015, and I believe now now it's a Marvel superhero attraction. I've been thinking about that project a lot lately as I look back over 10 years and, and thinking about how things we put in that house either did or did not come to be in today's world. So you have to remember in, in 2008, this is really pre-iPad era, really pre-smartphone era, because uh, it, while the iPhone was out, uh, it had yet to really take in the way that it did once the App Store really got going. So the idea that we had touch panels in every room to control the lighting and temperature and security system uh, and everything in the house was was really kind of revolutionary. Now we see that more in these home control apps that you can put right on your iPhone or right on your iPad. There was a magic mirror in one of the bedrooms that you would stand in front of and then it would digitally put outfits on you. So this was really a very early form of augmented reality. And it, I mean, it was mind-blowing at the time. And uh, it actually put Disney princess dresses on you. It was in the little girl's room. So if you stood in front of it, it would project, you know, Cinderella's dress onto you. But you were just so blown away by the technology. 
uh, in the kitchen, there was a voice activated cookbook that would read recipes to you, right? Which is exactly what my Amazon Alexa can do today. One thing that hasn't quite gotten there that was in the house is we had a lot of Microsoft Surface tables, uh, which were really cool back back in the day, right? They're basically touchscreen computers that double as coffee tables or, or desks. You can pull up documents and stuff. But the one thing I really liked on them was uh, part of the story was the dad got home from taking pictures on his phone and that was still kind of a new idea he had been taking pictures on an hp phone at his kids soccer game and then he would come and he would put it down on this microsoft surface table and all the photos he took would digitally spill out right onto the interface and you could make them bigger and zoom and pan and organize them and flip them around but really quite a bit of what was in the intervention stream home uh, is in our homes today so I was kind of excited when our producer, Jessica James, proposed we do an episode about her recent trip to Disney World, and that was Disney World in Florida, particularly about how they have woven technology into the experience. I haven't been to a Disney theme park since 2008, and you know back then, FastPass was kind of a new thing, and people weren't sure what to do, and I remember we just waited in line for rides like we always had. So I have a conversation with Jessica about how Disney has sort of melded the digital and real worlds into their park experience. And the one thing I can tell you about the time that I worked with, with Disney on this project is this. What, what really stands out at Disney is the sheer excellence of of their execution of even the most minute of details. It's unbelievable. So Jessica's going to tell me about what life was like going to the park, having appointments to go ride certain rides, uh, buying food, buying souvenirs, and how all that was managed digitally. And if you haven't gone in a while and you listen, just think about how some of these things might be coming to our lives today. And maybe 10 years from now uh, on episode 201, instead of episode 21. I'll be sitting here talking about 10 years ago, I talked to Jessica James about the stuff they had at Disney World. And now it's all in our houses. I do think the things she's talking about are rolling out in our society more quickly than ever before. All right, let's get to it. Okay, so in the studio, I have Jessica James. JJ, how are you? Good, how are you? Very good. And JJ is the producer behind the scenes of the podcast. She gets it where it needs to live online and helps book the guests. Yeah? Yep. And I'm assuming you're here because no guest took the bait for your last request. No. Okay. <laughs> Very good. So, but the important thing is we keep on going. That's right. All right. You just got back from Disney World. Why were you there? I was there for my daughter's really crazy cheer competition okay yeah and she's in that one of those very competitive cheer teams yeah it seems like you travel all over we do where where else have you gone uh we did atlanta last year we go to indianapolis a lot some of the other gyms go to texas yeah kentucky so so was the competition at disney world it was at their espn facility okay yeah i got you how'd they do um, their team did okay they didn't make it past the first day but we had several other teams make it to the last day so okay it was pretty cool and then, um, so you went to Disney World. Yep. With And now you've got, how old is your daughter? She's 11. And your son? 14. 14. So you've got right about where my kids are, too. Um, and talk to me about the technology that's at Disney World. If you haven't been there in a couple of years, you would be surprised by. Yeah. So um, we went with our cheer group, obviously, and kind of had to do things a little differently than normal people who book through Disney do it. Um, when you book through Disney, you get a magic band. It comes to you in the mail, and you pair it with your phone. Really? Yes, and they have a magic. So it's like an RFID? Yep, okay. that's exactly what it is. It's um, And it's paired with their magic app or 
whatever it's called, um, Disney Magic Experience, I believe it was. Okay. It so that band has a radio transmitter in it. Mm-hmm. It will transmit up to 40 feet. Mm-hmm. It also has like a two-year battery life cycle. Wow. So if you're a big Disney fan and you go yeah. back, you can use it over and over again. Yeah. Um, you can load your tickets onto it. It works as your room key. You can load your credit card onto it. Don't let your 11-year-old have access to that. Yeah. Lesson learned. <laughs> yeah. Um, if your kid is lost, it will help find them. Yeah. Um, it gets you, um, you put your reservations on it and your fast passes on it. Okay. Yeah. And uh, fast pass is when you book a time for a ride. Is that how that works? That's work? right. And you can book it in advance. Most families that go, they have um, they can start booking their reservations and fast passes six months in advance. Cool. We did not have that option. Uh-huh. We didn't get our bands till we got there. So I did it all through the app and booked it. So, but six months in advance, I could be like, I would like to ride Space Mountain. Is that a ride mm-hmm. there? Yep. At yep. noon on this day. And yep. I have a reservation. Mm-hmm. And then how does it work when you go up to the ride? So when you go up to the ride, they have kiosks there that have um, a Mickey inside a circle that matches the band. Mm-hmm. Um, you just put it on, and it, the circle will turn green if it's good. Yeah. Um, it'll turn blue if there's a problem. Uh, Disney has no red lights there because yeah. red equals bad, so huh. they made it blue. So uh, now, does everyone at Disney have this, or are there chumps like me who are just waiting in line? Well, the first year that my family went, just as our family, we were in the trial group. Yeah. So we were one of the few that had it. Okay. It was limited then. Yeah. The second time we went, pretty much everyone had it. And this time, I would say, oh, Is it something you pay extra for? No, it comes with your package. Yeah. I gotcha. So when you were in the trial group, were you like cutting lines and everyone's like, who are those people? No, um, we really were only able to use it for our room key and our tickets. Yeah. And they're still working on the fast pass option. Yeah. yeah. Um, but as we went back later, yeah. we were able to add our reservations and add our fast pass. So did it facilitate a better experience for you? I think it gave us more time in the park, so we got the big things out of the way Mm -hmm. that we wanted to do, and we were able to explore more of the little things. And that's really Disney's goal is to, um, you know, get the big things chunked out for people so they're free to explore other things. Yeah, and and in that way, nobody leaves disappointed. They're not like, two hours to ride Space Mountain. Exactly. They say, you know, the parents can be the hero. They can book characters and say, yes, we are actually going to do that and not stand in line for two hours. Yeah. Well, that's that's pretty cool, yeah. I suppose. Pretty convenient. It's interesting. So uh, I haven't been. I was at Disneyland, I want to say, maybe 12 years ago, 10 or 12 years ago. It's mm-hmm. a little known fact. I was one of the writers for the House of Interventions, House of the Future immersive theater experience. So, interesting. Uh, that got opened up out there, and I got to go for the launch. And then uh, I got passes for my family, uh, but, but no, like, line cutting or anything that. No, it's um I at first I was a little creeped out by it. I have um we were on the haunted mansion ride mm-hmm. and we we're riding through it and there's a point where like the ghosts pop up and look like they're sitting next to you when you're looking in the mirror. Yeah. And our ghost said take me home to Ohio. I was like why does what? it say that? I was like, "Oh my gosh." And the my uh, friend that I was riding with, she's like, "We didn't even like have fast passes so we didn't have to like magic yeah. our bands." I'm yeah. like, how did it know? And then doing a little research, I came to find out that it has that radio frequency in it and it has all your information built into it. Wait, so a ghost in a ride yeah. dynamically on the fly learned that you're from Ohio and mm-hmm. then added that to its script. Absolutely. Wow, that's unbelievable. Isn't that fascinating? 
They also have a new um, Beauty and the Beast uh, Be Our Guest reservation, okay. um, which is super popular. We didn't get to do it. But from what I hear, when you make the reservation, you can order your food in advance. Yeah. So when you start to approach, they'll call you by your name. Mm-hmm. Um and they'll tell you you can sit anywhere. And then your food just appears at the table, but the tables have transmitters in it. Yeah. Everything's triangulated. Yeah, They know where you're sitting and what your order is. That's unbelievable. So this all seems super convenient. It right? is. But now what we want to talk about sort of in the, in the wider world, the implications of what people think of being tracked by various. Right. You read a lot of articles about, you know, privacy issues. People really wanted to have um, their information kept private. But right. What I find is that they don't seem to care if it's an app. Yeah. <laughs> if it's an app that's convenient and makes their life convenient, yeah. they don't care what what yeah. data is being mined from it at yeah. all. It's interesting because whenever I install an app and it says it would like to access your location, I always say no, mm-hmm. right? And then a lot of times then the app becomes useless because it, it really needs that, right? But things like Google Search, when it knows where you are, it does a much better job serving up local results, right? right? right. So there's, you know positives and negatives to it. I guess it depends on how much of a hermit you want to be. Yeah. Um, but the ghost popping up in Haunted Mansion, I was like, why yeah. they really yeah, take like, this Yeah, like, what else level? do they know, right? Right, exactly. Could the ghost say, do you want a hat? And you could say yes, and it right. gets charged, you know? Right. Wow. Well, I will say they're, they're masters of creating experiences, For which sure. is what we try and do in the digital world, um, and making things convenient, right? And like I always say about our training, we need to lower the, the barriers to entry, mm-hmm. right? Having that thing on, wow, look how simple it was, yep. you know, for your 11-year-old to charge things on the credit card. And, yeah, a little too simple. Yeah. So, like, could I go to a snack stand and just scan my... Yeah, they, everything's got a kiosk to it. You just scan it. Um, I put a pin code on it. She figured it out pretty okay. quickly. <laughs> nice. Yep. Nice. <laughs> Lessons learned there. Yeah. Um, but they do really, they want you to have a magical day and they go above and beyond to create that experience for you. So do you think there was anything that you have happen in the park that would be nice to happen in the outside world? Um, in doing research about the bands, I really liked how they, I mean, it is data mining, but they really want people to experience as much as the park as sure. possible. And I feel like that's their overall goal yeah. um, to make uh, you know, like line cues and the flow of how people move through the park easier. Mm-hmm. So people are feeling like they're getting their however much tickets are now right, right. getting their price. So, you know, that'd be nice right. for other places. You know, maybe have Cedar Point and Kings Island around here. Yeah. Uh, and they have some fast pass kind of thing. But yeah. I don't think it's anything like So that. whenever I go to those parks, and, and I'm not throwing shade at them, but, <laughs> but it's not a Disney experience. No. You know, and suddenly you're like, Hey, he seemed grouchy. <laughs> right. Are you a Disney cast off? Yeah, so, exactly. Yeah. Um, well, I, and I think about the app Waze, right? Now that's, yes. That's one that you have to share your location yeah. for. And I love that app. It's right because it anticipates problems mm-hmm. and reroutes you. And, and, and to be honest, Apple Maps does this and Google uh, Maps does it as well. But Waze does it in, in a pretty unique way by collecting feedback from the people who are using it. Exactly. So, um, and that's one thing. So I... I do think this idea of apps knowing where you are is going to become more and more common, mm-hmm. you know, and, and kind of like, I mean, I remember when Gmail came out and everyone's like, you know, it scans your email to serve up relevant ads. And we're all like, oh, no, <laughs> don't. You yes. know, and now it's like, eh. yeah, exactly. Yeah. So. One of the things I read is that the technology, they want to be able in the future to get that that white whale to see that somebody has stood in line longer than they 
are, are that's necessary right. and to maybe send them a email or a text be like oh hey here's a coupon for free ice yeah. cream and really turn that experience around like yeah. they really want to get ahead of a negative experience yeah so they can yeah make everything magical uh here's here's a little inside scoop i know from having written on, on one project what? first of all when we went i said kids there can be a big line at the house of the future because i wrote the script <laughs> and there was nobody in there what <laughs> the way kids are like uh, yeah, I think the people who worked that liked it because it was a nice reprieve. Uh-huh. Uh, but they have this thing called magic moments where, like, you know, say you have a little kid and he freaks out at at the talking turtle from Finding Nemo, mm-hmm. right? Um, a Disney person will kind of pull your family aside as everybody exits and said, wait here, and then, like, they'll bring a character out or oh, somebody cool. out. Yeah, just to do, like, a little one-on-one thing. And they call them magic moments. And uh, I guess they happen kind of... Uh, organically right because like i couldn't walk around the park going hey how about how about you set me up with a magic moment for <laughs> right. my son right? here's a 20 <laughs> you know but at the same time like you, you know he he got selected to fight darth vader and in which you know was was such an important event for him at four years old right that right. He, he's like i can't even talk about it <laughs> so uh, very cool. So I, I love, I love. I mean, Disney just spares no expense. No, it's one billion dollars for this project. Yeah, and um, it it sounds like it just makes that experience, you know, truly better. A lot of times we hear like, "Hey, look, this is better," and you're like, "No, it's just another thing on top of everything else." Right, and so. literally, I didn't have to carry anything around. Phone yeah. and the wristband. Yeah, I think we're just gonna get to a point in life where we go around and we take things from stores and and it just gets charged right don't they do that with the amazon amazon has some stores that do that now yeah Yeah. so um i also remember when rfid first came out i saw a story i'm gonna i'm gonna try and find this and put it in the show notes it was about a developer who liked it so much that he had his friend who was a surgeon implant a chip in his hand how's that working out for him yeah when he approached his door it would unlock and then like six months later you know those close proximity keys and cars came out and mm-hmm. everybody had that experience anyway without without the surgery so yeah so disney uh using the band you know it's much better than surgically implanting an rfid chip in everybody yes so okay well i think thanks for coming in oh. I, this is a fun little episode I, I really like it especially with summer coming up yep you know people might be going to disney world uh where are you going next with the cheer team um, we're actually on break. This is our one week off. Nice. It is a year-round sport. So she tries out again on Saturday. For the upcoming season? Yep. Wow. And then we start all over. Okay. All right, Jessica James, appreciate you coming in. Thank you. And as always, good times. Okay, once again, my thanks to Jessica James for joining me. That was a fun talk. Really enjoyed it. Some pretty cool stuff happening at Disney World. Before I hand off to Briavel for the outro, I just want to again encourage you, if you do like the show, uh, tell a friend about it or do leave us a review on iTunes. They really do help. We'll be back in about a week with another episode. Until then, good times. This episode of the Mindset Digital Podcast was produced by Pete Brown, Jessica James, and me, Briavel Schultz. If you like the show, please let us know by leaving a review on iTunes or reach out directly at podcast at mindsetdigital.com. To receive a text message every time we put out a new episode, text MSDPOD to 555-888 and we'll add you to the list. Some music in today's episode came from the website audionautics.com and is licensed under Creative Commons 3.0. We'll be back in a few weeks with our next episode. 
On behalf of everyone at Mindset Digital, I'm Bria Schultz. Good times. <laughs>